114? I didn't even know I had that many friends. Wow. But I pull up on Facebook Live, right? Yeah. Facebook Live or Twitter. Do you listen to our podcast? No. Uh -oh. <laughs> but I'm a big supporter. <laughs> <laughs> this guy shares every, or at least likes every episode. It's though. true. He does so like everything on Facebook. I'm more than Steve, for sure. <laughs> 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 We've, I've heard all about that. Hello. Hello. The man, the myth, the legend. Ty. This is Gordon. <laughs> Hi, Gordon. Gordon. This is Ty. Hello. Uh, Starstruck right now. <laughs> <laughs> what is this, by the way? Is this like a nightstand? This is a, like a desk. Like for a... Like old school, like school desk. For like a child? Yeah. <laughs> okay. This is an elementary school. I know. I always forget how small kids are yeah, until I go into the bathroom in elementary school. I just did. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought I'd be saying this, but when I was your age, I was a long retreat kind of guy too. <laughs> Gordon, you're supposed to be the young one. I know. <laughs> I have limits with certain things. <laughs> Well, if it was like I was going to camp for a week, that'd be different. And I'm not like the one receiving from the retreat, technically. I mean, technically I also am. But you know what I mean? I'm putting it on. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Is it going through? Yeah, that's your mom, right? Hey, that's my mom. Right. That's hey, mom. mom. <laughs> Such love. Thanks, mom. Thanks, mom. Yeah, everyone say hi to mom. <laughs> Go live. Ethan. Ethan Berger. Cool. That work is complete. Alright, uh make sure any phones are muted. <sighs> Welcome guys, this is awesome. We've never done it kind of in this format. I feel like I'm falling over right now on this couch. Ready? Yeah. Alright. And here we go. Welcome back to the Christ in Culture. This is Clint. And this is Gordon. And this week we have with us a, a very, very special guest. Or should I say guest? We have a live audience. <laughs> There we go. Awesome. So welcome, guys, to the Christ and Culture. For those of you who are listening to this next week or down the road, this is our second take at this episode because we just had some technical difficulties. And, uh, it wasn't even technical. It was human error. It's, it's <laughs> human difficulties. Whatever. We're having some issues. Uh, we're human. It's all good. So just really quickly, I want to kind of introduce our show for any, anyone who's new to the show, new to the audience here. So our show is called The Christian Culture. Hopefully you've seen that by now. And basically what we do is we take different aspects of culture and break it down. So we, we don't want to just outright reject all culture and say that it's bad. And so what we try to do is see, kind of like Paul did at the Areopagus in the Acts of the Apostles, go and see what is good, take what is good, and then use that to evangelize and to, to teach it with others. And so we take different things like movies, books, music, and we break down those things and try and find what in them is good so that we can use them to relate to other people and share the gospel that way. So that's basically an overview mm -hmm. of what our show 
looks like this is our 100th episode. It is. So uh, we're just under two years. So thank you guys for joining us on that adventure so far. We do really want you guys to participate. Obviously, the live audience, we have you here for more than just sound effects. We really want you guys to ask questions, participate, contribute thoughts. And those of you who are following along on social media, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, everywhere, we want you guys to be able to do the same. So if you have questions, if you have things you want us to talk about, just make sure you comment it in and we will do our best to answer those. Yes. So, all right. So do you want to go ahead and introduce our idea of technology? Do we want to do media again and not worry about it? Yeah. Let's do media again. Okay. I... I've been listening to Taylor Swift because she made a great album and I love it because the last album was garbage and she redeemed herself. And on top of that, I've been listening to Chance the Rapper. You want to know how that is? Because you've heard mixed things. Well, so I, I actually have heard mixed things, but I'm actually curious since we do have a lot of teens here, what you guys think too on the Taylor Swift and Chance the Rapper. Or I don't it know if you guys one of these well. or one of these or you right can... here. I didn't know they released anything. Okay. Oh. <laughs> No way, are we? Oh my gosh, we know pop culture. Look at that. T-Swift. All right. Well, I feel really hip now. Great. <laughs> <laughs> and then Bonnie Vare also released a third album that is really good. And then I think I said a podcast, Roman Circus podcast. <laughs> I deleted it because I already said it, which is the child that, or he's grown up now, but the actor that played Porky, Porky. from Little Rascals converted to Catholicism and started a podcast. And, and it's, it's awesome. It's okay. Quick. What's the number for 911? I don't know. Okay. So I'll go through mine really quick because most of you have heard this already once. The first one that I just finished is a book called Deadly Heat by Richard Castle. Richard Castle comes from the TV show Castle, which uh, is over now, but is a fantastic show. Actually, one of my favorites. And in it, there is an author who works with the police to help with investigations, and he's writing books about those investigations. And someone took those stories and actually made them into real books. And so I just finished one of them called Deadly Heat. And then I've been reading Christus Vivit, which is a papal encyclical written by Pope Francis for all of us as, well, youth and actually everyone. It's written for the whole church, even if we are not in that 16 to 39 year range. He writes to us about how we are all called to be young, not necessarily in our age, but in the way that we live our life. And he really goes into some detail on what that looks like too, which is beautiful. So I've been using a lot of that. Also listening to Roman Circus a lot. And then the last thing is the TV show Mindhunter on Netflix, which is about the psychology of serial killers and kind of diving into that kind of stuff. So back to our actual topic, technology. Yes, talking about technology. And we... Do you have like a bunch of different ideas because it's such a general topic that we could like branch into? But we just kind of wanted to start with tech, like we both like met last night and was like, what do you want? What do you want to start? And I was like, I was just starting with like history and like check, what is technology? Yeah. And you said you liked I found an article online that kind of went over from technology at the beginning and like to its root words to like now with like VR. Yeah, um, it went like way back to like we're, yeah. we're talking all the way back to. Uh, we're talking literally about I think Egyptian time. fire well, and yeah, the wheels, Stone Age stuff like that. So we're talking about all technology. So that's one kind of misconception too. Is simple like, machines. Simple machines. How many of you guys know what simple machines are? Like if we say that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you guys are smarter than me. So 
He's brought this up on probably three different podcasts, and he has I, no idea. I what don't. Some of I didn't know are. what they were until last night. So you guys are smarter than me. Yeah. So breaking down kind of what technology is, it's not necessarily just things that are modern. I think that's a really easy misconception that we do is just thinking, what is technological is what is new, and that's not really the case. Uh, so one of the the definitions that I really liked was the means or activity by which man seeks to change or manipulate his environment. Uh, and so in other words, it's the tools that we use to change the things around us. And like I mentioned in the first go round of uh, this recording, we we did an episode back in the spring with Gomer and we talked about culture. And on that episode, he defined culture as any way that man influences our surroundings. And so by this kind of connection, we see that technology is the tools in which we make culture. Mm. Uh, and so that's kind of a, a really broad but also kind of an interesting way to look at it i think so yeah and that's and this is on this article so that's like a mid-century definition whereas when it's the article starts it says the term technology and its root form comes from the greek word techne which means art or craft and then the other word logos which means word or speech and so in greece it was kind of like a discourse on the arts both fine and applied arts which kind of makes sense if you ever watch Hercules and stuff. They were real big on like all those things, but like the te- the stuff they were able to apply to the pottery, the stuff they were able to apply to building buildings, the arts and that beauty, to them was technology, and mm-hmm. so it starts it starts there and like the tools and the, and the way they're like the culture of of Greece that's left now is in the art and the in, in the structure and the things we can see and the tools they were able to use to do, like make that and change that, like you were saying, sure. is what created that. And so just, I thought it was really fascinating to, to boil down technology as art, because I enjoy art, but I never thought technology as, as an art. So let me pose this question then. We talk a lot on this show about the transcendentals, so that which is good, true, and beautiful, right? So those are the kind of the three things that bring us beyond the things around us and to God. That's why it's transcending, right? So good, true, and beautiful. So if technology is kind of communicating art, and we talk on the show a lot about how art is something that communicates those things, can is it fair to say that technology is a tool by which we communicate the transcendentals? It's like supposed God? to be. Okay. So this, on the next paragraph, actually says, it's one thing, technology is something we must adopt a rigorous methodological pattern and if it is to do justice to the subject without grossly distorting it in one way or another so we've talked about justice in this podcast whether that's secular the secular justice or like the virtue of justice and so uh, i think in true justice comes beauty and all that is good and then when something is ugly it becomes distorted and it is the absence or a distortion of what is true and Mm -hmm. beautiful so yes it's supposed to be used the way you just the way you just what you just said, <laughs> okay. but the I it was one of the things we talked about talking about was how technology sometimes doesn't do that, or when does technology go too far? Mm. Um, and so I think there's a lot of examples of no, it doesn't do that. Okay. So I would love to next just kind of go into some examples of technology through history, since we kind of mentioned that. And if you guys could contribute your own thoughts and and questions and ideas in this as well, I think that'd be awesome. So just starting from just the very beginning of things like fire and simple tools and the wheel and stuff like that. So like I said before, part of this show is looking at these things and seeing why do we like them? Because if we like them, that means there's something in them that reveals God to us, right? And so what 
I think what about those things? Those are very early things. Fire, the wheel, simple tools. What about those do we actually enjoy? In plain view, when it comes to any type of technology, it's convenience. Mm-hmm. And so, like, with fire, you can now cook or staying warm becomes easier. Like, the things that become easier and accessible through tools. So I'm looking at this picture, and my dad had one of these of, like, stone that was turned into something to, like, open fruit. Like, even, you know, monkeys have these type of tools. But, like, blades that are made from, like, rock in order to cut or in order to chop, slice that was not something that they couldn't do before but now with this new tool or technically of technology um it's it's made easier Easier. and so i think convenience is the the biggest thing yeah i think another thing is like it builds a community so like with fire you have to huddle around it for warmth it gets dark out you want to right yeah gathering together and then with tools now you have an easier time of being able to break open food and when you have and then so now you can share this food easier you can share as well you can make more food for your family and the like bingo i think that's huge i think it's it's kind of the idea of like where did the family gather it gathered around like the hearth right and before that it was around like the campfire Right. I think simplicity is a big part of it, too. And like just reducing something to the simplest nature. But I think there's something about like the comfort of the community and the comfort of fire helps provide. Right. We we have so many more options for food now because we can actually cook them and stuff like that. Uh, And I think there's something about this uh, source of providing, first off, um, that we can cling to. Uh, We get warmth, which protects us. And so it's this idea of comfort, this idea that here's where I'm safe. Uh, I don't think it's a coincidence that the Holy Spirit is portrayed as fire for a lot of different reasons. But I think one of them is that it can damage and it can burn, but it's also, it can be comforting. Uh, and it kind of has those twofold natures. And then going back to what you were saying, Gordon, I think what you're trying to get to is like making it as simple as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's something about living a simple life, right? I think when we cling to technology, we cling to it in a way that we think it's going to provide something that's simple, right? We buy all of these things thinking it's going to make our lives easier. But in reality, a lot of the times we have to like upkeep them all the time, right? So for example, um, this last year I've had a lot of car issues, right? So we get cars expecting the car is going to make things easier, right? And then if we have a lot of issues with that vehicle, next thing you know, now it's actually causing more trouble than it is convenience in the end. But I think we go to these things desiring the simplicity. At least that's uh, kind of my understanding. I was thinking, too, uh, based off when you mentioned community yeah. and even like a familial sense of things, would you say that the advancement of technology enhances our gifts and talents? Because I was thinking back with the tools and stuff, you know, then you have the hunters and the gatherers and the ones that are able to make clothing off of like hide and stuff like that and so it wasn't like they didn't already have these gifts or talents like i'm thinking modern technology with computer stuff there's people that are good with that stuff right and have jobs and there's people that like look at it and they have no idea how to turn it on i think it's supposed to right i think the all these things all these uh aspects of technology are supposed to be tools to help us influence our culture right we're already influencing our culture that's just natural as humans anything we do is going to influence everything around us and so these tools 
in their base nature should be helping us do that in, in a way that should be positive, right? But because we are imperfect and we make bad decisions and we are fallen in our nature, I think we use those things uh, not necessarily for what they're intended. And I, I know that's one of the questions you want to hit later on is where do we draw that line? Where do we think that it goes too far? But I think originally they should be helping us do things. For example, I would say we have a gift in evangelization. We wouldn't be missionaries and youth minister if that weren't the case. And this podcast is technology. This is helping right. us reach people all across the world. Hello, people on social media. We're able to reach people literally all across the world because of it, right? And so I think that's one way where we can actually use technology to share our gifts Yeah. for the better. Yeah. I think, too, with, like, technology enhancing our talents, I think that we all have, like, a God-given talent. And then when we have a tool that helps us, like, show that we have that talent, it kind of helps us have, like, roles in the community. And, like, ever since the beginning of people, I feel like everybody kind of has, like, a role in the community. Mm -hmm. And then that just kind of, we like knowing what our place is and where we're going and what we're meant for. Yeah. And that translates to, like, religion. We want to know what's out there and all that stuff. For sure. You have something to add on? Going off what she said that, like, we do, I we use technology in a way to, like, enhance our, not only abilities, but, like, the things around us. So, like, one thing that, like, stuck out with me that Marcus kind of pointed out was that, like, so, basically, like, the, in terms of, like, music and stuff like that, you're, like, the most basic level would be, like, our singing or our voice. And mm-hmm. to amplify that or embrace that, what we did was, like, we made instruments and we made, like, um, songs and we, like, helped, like, piggyback off of that to, like, you know, right and now we have bands we have orchestra and then even beyond then 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 we have later on studio recordings which are transmitting that all over the world and now we have computers which save it so you can access it hundreds of years later you know Satellites. yeah exactly so we have all this stuff that that does it for good um but i definitely think going off what you're saying there is a line there has to be a, a line where uh, we do use those things for for bad what you just said, I think, is really important. Like with the the or the analogy you used, because I think a problem that can come with technology is when, with music, the focus becomes the applications we're using to make really good songs. So if it becomes like without auto tune, it's terrible, or without a great guitar solo, it's terrible, and we lose focus of the core, which is like the voice that you were saying, or lose to- focus of like the core talent. And the same happens in like our prayer life. If we focus strictly on, I, you know, I'm going to be doing Lectio, right? I need to re- like be always in, in, in scripture and we lose focus of it's us and God and this relationship. And we're focused on these, like our eyes are like, we're almost, it's almost like if a blinders on, that can just become kind of poisonous. Mm. Does that makes sense. Yeah, I think it does. Like uh, the enhancement, things that make our faith life or even just tools that enhance it, if, if that becomes more of an idol than a tool, then it's it's not good anymore. Right. It's kind of like, I feel like we talked about this on a, an episode before, but how when the things we do, uh, let me let me backtrack a little bit. So for example, I work at a parish, right? So if we as a parish focused more on, let's say, service than we did on Christ, then we would be missing the mark of, of why we were doing that service in the first place. And I think it's the same thing with what you're talking about. When the tools themselves, when the technology itself becomes more important than the original gift, 
and the, what you're trying to transmit, I think that's where the issue is. Is that what you're trying to get at? Yes. Perfect. Cool. So those were kind of some of our throwbacks, some of our older types of technology, but one that we really wanted to hit at, because I think it's one of the biggest that we don't really think about, is writing. And then later on, going from just basic writing, moving to the printing press. Yeah. Because the printing press was huge. I, I think when you were doing research, you found there was some statistic, like it was the most influential. When it came to religion. Yeah. The most influential, like technological advancement that enhanced religion. Yeah. And it wasn't even, because I said that, Clint was like, yes, because of the Bible. And I was like, no, it's because of education. Most people back then before the printing press were illiterate. And so like the people that were able to read and like write and own books were like the rich. And so even if something was written down of faith or religion, the people that like didn't know it couldn't even read it. And so once there was a printing press, well, then you could mass produce books in schools and then they could teach it. And then there was education and then they could read. And then the Bible was, was useful. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was really interesting. So why don't, we, why don't we look at this as just communication technology in general, maybe? Mm-hmm. So we can look at uh, just basic writing. We can look at the printing press. And then we can look at different types of communication nowadays because it's kind of blown up, right? Things have changed so fast. Uh, so let's kind of look at those. Before we do, uh, shout out to Ethan and Luis who just joined us as well on Facebook. So thanks, guys. All right. So communication technology. Um, do you want to go ahead and start? Do you have any thoughts? Well, I mean, oral tradition or oral communication yeah. uh, was, was, I guess, where it, where it began, really. Um, but I think for it to like really embrace the technology aspect it has to be like that transition where the oral traditions, right? So the, the sharing by, by word of mouth became something more than that, where we actually started writing things down, where we developed a language. And now that language that we're writing becomes something where we can share that more long-term, where we're actually influencing the environment around us, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, just in general, I think communication is a huge part of our, our faith. Right. So we have this desire going back to I think it was Marcus who said it before, going back to this idea of the community building. Mm-hmm. Right. You can't have community without communication. Right. It, you have to have that. We see immediately after. Well, actually, a couple of different things. So we see after we have language that is created and after we have people starting to learn how to domesticate animals, we started having towns, cities, villages and stuff would come together. Right. Uh, and so we see that those things, including fire, right, bring people together. And so I think that goes back to community, but even into our own, even into our own spirituality, I think it's important to look at how communication is the center of that, right? I mean, we talk about it all the time, but prayer, prayer literally means to ask, mm-hmm. right? To ask, to, to communicate. Um, I, I, we say this all the time, but like, Prayer is not just like something that helps your relationship with God. It's not technology. It's not a tool. It's, it actually is your relationship with God, right? Um, and so I think it's important to keep that in mind too. I was also just thinking how if you actually think about the progress of te- technology and communication, and uh, it actually shapes what we could would, would want to communicate in the sense that there has to be this desire to reach more people. 
So the, mm-hmm. in, the, in, the, mm-hmm. in the desire to reach more people, the printing press happened. And then in the desire to reach more, pe- more people than that, than the radio. And, and then I was thinking about the saints. Now we can communicate to space. Literally. Right. And then, but I was thinking about the saints and like St. Therese and these people who like their experience of Christ that they wanted to share with other people maybe didn't even touch those like other people until after their life was gone. And, but it wasn't that they were like writing this down to communicate to others because they wanted to share like my, their life. Like you need to know about St. Therese. Mm. They were like, you need to know about Jesus and this person and what he can do if you have him part of your life. And so like the way we even communicate our faith, it's, um, you know, we talk about testimonies, probably with that, but making sure that is so other people can encounter, you know, God rather than like, you need to get to know who I am and like how, how, how changed I am. Does oh, that make sense? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So we just had We're bridging the gap, I guess. Yeah. We just had at our, at our parish core team retreat for all of our, our core members and, part of it was kind of formation and we talked a little bit about how to share your your story your testimony how powerful that is and the reason why that's so powerful is because our story is a sharing in the story of Christ right as Christians anything that that we share that is uh, tied into into that story that is what our testimony is that's the the kerygma as they say mm-hmm. the, the Greek word for it right um, and it's powerful not because our story is so impressive because his story is so impressive, right? And so anything that we share in that is uh, like, it's like the transitive property, right? In mm-hmm. math. Gosh, I remember that. It's like the one thing I remember from sophomore math. Shout out to Lisa. Hey, Lisa. She's from St. Mary's. Any any thoughts from you guys on kind of like communication? I think communication is super important because, um, well, I mean, with the ability to write, there's so many, so many saints, and there's so many stories of them, and then there's so much philosophy in the church, and that if we didn't have the ability to write it down and then print it out to share it, then or and give it to people so they can organize it and reprint it out, then yeah. we 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 would probably have much less knowledge, right? Much less wealth, for sure. Are you guys familiar with Maximilian Kolbe? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So Maximilian Kolbe is like. He's my dog. So he is, he's an awesome saint, but I think most of us only really know his story from, from Auschwitz, right? So I see some nodding heads. So he actually has, you got something? I know like his story like before, like I guess like he uh, really like got into his faith too. Cause didn't he have some stuff to do with like divine mercy and like, uh, like Mary and consecration too? Yeah. Yeah. So he was, he was already into his faith at that point, but he is, was a huge like supporter of Marian consecration. And actually he created an organization called the Militia Immaculata. And their sole purpose was to go around and teach people about how powerful Mary's intercession was, how powerful Mary was to, to pray for us. And he created this whole group and it expanded. And so eventually he convinced his, um, well, he became a priest, he became a Franciscan, and he convinced his superior to let him go found a new order of Franciscans. And their whole purpose was to take this idea of the Militia Immaculata to use the technology around them to spread it. And so that was the 1930s, mostly into the 1940s. And what he did was he started first a, a magazine, a newspaper, and he sent it all around Poland, and it became huge. And this is when 
so the Nazis are taking over. And so he started speaking out about some of that stuff. And eventually that's what got him in trouble. But before that happened, he actually, it got so big, he started a radio show, right? And that was the biggest thing at that time. There was no TV, there was no computers. So he had these magazines being circulated all over Poland. He had a radio show and that's where he really got in trouble because the, the Nazis were not a fan of him talking on the radio about how bad they were. And then that wasn't big enough. And so he went to China and he went to Japan and he actually mm-hmm. started monasteries over there and taught them how to do the same thing in different languages, right? And so this one man went all around the world uh, doing all of that stuff. So any other thoughts on communication technology from anyone? Yeah, Dennis. Kind of going off what Marcus was saying earlier, uh, all these people and all these saints that have uh, learned to write and they've written about all their stories and all the joy and the peace and the happiness they've found through faith and through God mm-hmm. creates a, a hunger or a, a thirst for other people to want to experience the same thing so yeah. that they can also share their story and you know just creates a, a desire for something that they have not experienced yeah so just to repeat that so he, he's talked about how uh, specifically you're talking about saints but how people when they write with this passion with this desire and they share something as powerful as the story of Christ uh, it becomes something that's like contagious where we we want to duplicate right and there's the saying that holiness is attractive right not in like the romantic way, but it's attractive in that when we see it, we want it because it's good, right? And I think that's kind of what you're getting at. It even allows us to share like ideas and I don't know, passions. Like I'm thinking of just even in science or I'm thinking of books that I read too. I really like nonfiction and there's this one guy who studies trees and like how trees communicate to each other and the crazy things that trees do. And it just gets me really excited about trees and it's stuff that like, if I never got my hands on this book, I would have never. Did you, did you just say you're excited about trees, bro? Yeah. Like, okay. Like <laughs> if a bug is eating a tree, the tree will let off pheromones that will carry, the wind will carry it to the other trees. And then those trees will let off uh, pheromones that make it smell bad. So that type of bug won't go to those trees so it like lets those trees know vice versa if the if certain certain types of trees can like pick up on the salvation of the type of bug eating it and then let off pheromones to attract the predator of that bug to come and kill it how crazy is that (laughs) the secret life the hidden life of trees it's incredible hidden life of trees so i think just the fact that that kind of thing actually happens is proof of god right there. there's no way you had something to throw in oh wow yeah so to reiterate that comment he, he said that uh they played music for plants to see what would happen and it was classical and rock the classical grew faster and the rock plant actually died so there it actually depends on what type of music that's crazy yeah, not really technology based, but trees are cool. So is nature. Well, maybe it's like a varying degree of the beauty of, but rock can be beautiful too. Well, then again, those pheromones could also be like, like the trees for technology. Mm. Yeah, because I'm tree sure. technology. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, we're we're, well, getting, we're getting into some crazy <laughs> stuff now. One of the chapters was talking about like the trees version of the of the online web because they. Like a tree can communicate from like miles away to another tree using the fungus that grows in the soil. It's never mind. 
<laughs> I can talk about this forever. <laughs> All right, tune in next week for the tree episode. Episode 101, trees. Cool. So I think the next big one that we wanted to tie in was transportation and how mm. that kind of affects things. Yeah. Uh, I think this is a huge one. So we oh, have yeah. tons of different types of transportation, obviously. We're not going to go into all of them. Um, but one of the big changes that I think we can talk about is how it has influenced the parish life. I think that's a pretty easy one. So just out of curiosity, raise your hand if you're actually from this area originally. <laughs> all right. One, two, okay. three, four, five people in, in this room. Okay. So basically all of us here are transplants, right? Um, and our audience last year was in transplants. Oh, transplants. Oh my gosh. This guy, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and that's the live show, guys. Uh, no, so <laughs> he said we're not from our roots. Oh. He said oh. we're not from our roots. Oh my gosh, we are going to be making tree puns this entire show now, and I'm here for it. It's great. Okay, so <laughs> where was I going? Oh, going back to the being transplants, right? And so I think that affects the way. Uh, a lot of things, but also affects our, our parish, right? And so the way that, that we interact together uh, is going to look different, right? And so if we go to, I don't know, like we're traveling all around the world. I think I've talked about this on here before, but I've gone to masses in 10 different countries, right? In like nine different languages. Uh, that's not something you could do a thousand years ago. That would be unheard of, right? And so just the fact that we can go and influence these different areas in a new way, I think that in itself is huge. And so because of that, the way that we interact with people at the parish level is going to look way different, especially in the Houston area. I mean, maybe not, this probably isn't going to happen as much back home where there's not as much, I mean, people aren't moving to small town Iowa as much as they're moving to the Houston area, you know? Um, but in this area, we have a lot of people coming here from all over the world. Right. And so the the clash of culture is going to influence the way that, that we interact. But I think that's a beautiful thing, too. Right. And the, the gift that we're able to share that with each other, um, assuming that we we do it appropriately. Right. Yeah. I'm thinking so, about like imagine if in Jesus times the pl- planes existed and then he was like, all right, I need you guys to go here, here and here. Like, go spread the word. And they're like, all right. See and you week. all get private jets. Well, no, but Stephen still, like, just jump on a plane rather than... That'd be so much easier. ...riding on a camel forever. He didn't have a camel. Or walking. Yeah, they walked. They had camels. Sandals, bro. Did Jesus have a camel? I don't know. Did Jesus have a camel? What do you think? He had a donkey. He got it later. Yeah, but his parents had a camel when he was a child. Okay, anyways. What do you think? Transportation helps, like, even with, like, huge areas, like, just brings in all these cultures... But also the the impact on the local area. For instance, like the priests, they go out into the community. So if our priests didn't have a car, he'd only be able to go maybe a couple maybe miles around our church. But now that he has a car, he can go out an hour, two hours away into miles, miles around and going to these nursing homes and stuff. And then if you're part of a, a church group like maybe the Legion of Mary or something, then you can go out miles and miles away to help out at maybe when there's a bunch of, like a homeless center. Something yeah. you wouldn't be able to do if you didn't have it. Yeah, that actually reminds me of my home diocese. So uh, when the diocese was formed, it was like right after after the, 
think it was like right after the Louisiana purchase. Someone can check me on my history here. Um, but it was super early, and it was basically the entire state of Iowa and some was all in this diocese. And there was uh, one, like, bishop, one priest for this whole thing, right? Uh, and that was their area to cover, right? And then we have, back in the early church, originally we had how many bishops? Eleven. And then one was added, so we had twelve, Right. 12 bishops for the entire church. And so they were covering huge areas, like entire, essentially, countries or nations at the time, right? Um, and so, like you're saying, the ability to have this transportation allows them to, to do that more easily. Yeah, there is, um, for uh, in um, Madagascar, uh, the, there's a bunch of... Which small- is where Pope Francis is right now. Yeah, right. But um, in Madagascar, the, the previous bishop, uh, he retired, but the... Pre- previous bishop before the one we have now in Madagascar, he used to travel to these small local tribes and they'd only get mass every maybe once a month or once a year and so they'd only get the small small community because you couldn't take cars. So he had to travel by foot and it would take so long to get back. And that's not just Madagascar either. So, so you're talking, he was talking just to reiterate, um, he said how there's people in Madagascar who only get mass like once a month essentially. Uh, that's actually happening here in the U.S. too, in some states, especially in the the deep south. And there's um, uh, Father Harrison from the podcast Clerically Speaking talks about how he, in in the small area where he's at, actually gets sent out to small communities who only get mass once a month. And he's he's in uh, Western Canada too. So it's here in I guess the bigger, more I don't know. You'd think more te- technologically advanced cities too. Or, countries mm-hmm. did you have something so like i guess going along with the whole priest like going out too like i was just thinking about um like different retreats that i've been on mm. like if those um priests weren't able to come out hours away then like i wouldn't have been able to um like get transported in my own faith through adoration and mass and just like the different things that we have at retreats that um, can sometimes be more intense in those places because it's very like this holy place and I just thought that was cool. I was also thinking based off of talking about travel and priests uh, the countries where like there is no freedom of religion and how transportation has impacted that with the idea of people that can now migrate out of those countries to mm. countries where those freedoms are, or even the priests that are martyrs that were sent out to like China to still have like Catholic mass in silence, like the, the movie Silence and all that. They still had a way to, they had to still to get there. And mm-hmm. sure, if they were in Europe, they could have walked there. But if they were priests that were ordained in like the US, they can't swim there. Right. Um, and so like transportation has helped uh, spread and kind of allowed f- almost in a, in a poor, like a lack of better words, freedom of religion across the world, but not really. On the other thing with transportation, not actually being very specific with religion necessarily, but just in general, is I was thinking about how when people are like fighting or debating or just like speaking to each other, they always say like, you know, get both sides of the picture yeah um and i think when when transportation enhanced in technology like i'm from georgia originally and georgia is not 
at all the same as Houston. And just like being able to travel to other states or even other countries and just see like, oh, I thought I knew poverty. That's poverty. Or, oh, I thought I knew what this, like, oh, I thought I knew what barbecue was. That's barbecue. Like, and, and realizing like barbecue, you're not in your own world and that helps like understanding, that helps communication, that helps like the way you live. It changes you when you see this bigger picture. Yeah. So I wonder if we get kind of to the root of why we enjoy transportation. I know that's a weird question to think of, but like, why, why do we, why do we want to move? Right. So I, I mm. wonder part of it, you mentioned it to try and get to something that's better. Right. So we have people who are migrating. Oh, someone has some. Yeah, go ahead. I just, well, kind of starting off from that, I just wanted to kind of mention, like, it's weird how, like, I, I remember, like, earlier we were talking about kind of, like, a wheel and how that kind of, how that type of invention based um, things more convenient for us. But I like how, over time, it started shifting from, oh, it's more convenient to us, to, oh, it actually allows us to do something that we weren't really able to do before. Mm. Like... Sure, now we have the wheel or carriages to take us from one town to the next, but pretty soon, like, that technology kind of started to evolve to where, oh, we can go seven countries across uh, within the span of, like, maybe maybe two months. Okay. And I think that impacts, like, how um, at least... Yeah, so kind of going from this idea of technology as something that makes things simpler to now being able to do things that we could never do before. Right. And I think this might be a little bit of a stretch, but part of that also has to be humility, right. Going back to the fact that there's things that we can't do. Right. Again, that seems like kind of a stretch, but in order to be able to invent something, you have to be able to admit that I can't do that. Right. Otherwise there's no point in inventing it. Um, and so I think in that regards it does show us a bit of the need for humility uh, and obviously that translates to our spiritual life pretty pretty easily i think the the enjoyment of movement comes from our desire for the adventure yeah that we speak about we did a podcast kind of talking about pokemon and how like when you start the game of any pokemon game you leave your house and you have to go around the janto region or whatever johto reason yeah 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 and like just Nerdy because stuff. of that natural desire of this adventure and this this journey that like God has created us for, we there's this natural movement. But then there's also what you were just saying, which is uh, to move or to create to do to create like what we have and taking what we have now and making it better just because we think we can. And we were talking about this last night when we were talking about space travel. And I was like, okay. So you want to make a car so it goes faster than a wagon. Okay, you want to make a boat so now you can, like, go across the ocean. You want to make a plane because it's faster than a car and it flies and everybody wants to fly. But why a spaceship? Why do we go to space in order to explore this place we'll never be able to explore the entirety of? It's too big. There's nothing out there. Well, I'd argue otherwise. But there's, like, it's, it's... vast and empty and stuff why are we going to space um and and yeah i don't know why are we like studying things that are trillion light years away because we can and there's stuff out there to learn but 
there is a small sense of some people that are in that f- field because like just because we can't and I want to go even further because we can't. Well, it's also this idea that there is something out there. Right? right. There's something more than what we have directly in front of us. And I think that's been a desire of humanity since the very beginning. Right. That's why we have uh, religion. That's why we have this belief that there's God, because we know that there's something more than what's directly in front of us. And C.S. Lewis talks about that all the time. Or all the time. He's dead now. <laughs> he did talk about it, uh, about how. <laughs> the very fact that there is something that out there that we desire is proof that there has to be something that we don't have that's beyond our, our reach or understanding, right? Yeah. And I also feel like it kind of goes to like, like space is beautiful. Like you've seen some of the pictures like in the Hubble telescope. Oh, for technology. sure. Uh, yeah. Like those pictures, like it's like beauty because like, you know, it gets back to the transcendentals, what's good, true, and what's beautiful. So I guess it's like, the desire to, even though we can't attain it, we can still kind of wonder at God's creation. For sure. And I mean, the we, mystery too. Yeah. Yeah. We, we got to give a shout out to uh, everyone at NASA since that's just like in this area too. So. Go back to like thing about like traveling. So like something like over the summer that um, I learned about the phrase of Quovadis, which means like, where are you going in Latin? Yeah. And like the whole story behind it with like Peter and like Jesus. And I just think that like, that's been a question that I've been asking myself lately, not only like in everyday like life and like trying to get better in school, like where, where do you want to go with this, but also like in my faith life, like where in moments where I feel like I'm kind of steadfast and just like plateaued, that like I start to ask my question, okay, where are you going? Like what mm. do you want to do with your life and with your faith life and taking that journey and growing in your faith with, um, everyday thing yeah that's a that's a story that's been coming up a lot in my life actually recently so i'm glad you brought it up but the story of peter when uh he was uh he was trying to leave rome to try and go like get away from something he was called to do uh in rome because he was afraid of persecution uh rightfully so he ended up dying because of it he tried to leave and as he was leaving jesus appeared to him and said quo vadis where are you going and uh that was like enough to get him to stay and he, because of that, he was martyred in, in, in Rome, so. I also think, like, Jesus' reply after Peter was like, oh, like, I'm, I'm leaving, like, I can't do this anymore, too. Like, that really, like, I guess, like, spoke volumes to me because it's like, okay, like, he kind of had, like, the ultimate sacrifice of, like, dying on the cross. And so, like, the least I could do is, like, push myself to go farther yeah. kind of thing and, like, dive deeper. For sure. Do you have something to add? Uh, I think there's the question of like who I am. So I'm Marcus, by the way. Um, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, no, I have more to say, but just. This is, yeah. Get For the people. No, but I'm No, but I'm also like. That idea if you didn't of know. Just, like, um, there's, that, uh, there's the other Latin phrase, Puget tempo, memento mori, time flies, remember your death. So this need to explore, it comes from like the flight fact that we are going to die one day so we want to go out and make our mark in the world we want to go out and understand why we live in this world before we leave it mm. yeah yeah what you were just saying tight and what i think you were just saying too of like sometimes the, uh, the the drive for movement is is also leaving something behind yeah like and not in the sense of like literally leaving something behind to be remembered by but like maybe where we start is not where we want to be mm. And we need to like leave that behind or even Jesus who came and said, follow me. 
and there's only one way to follow somebody is to leave leave the nets and go yeah uh so first off before i say my thought uh we have a shout out for marcus saying thank you for announcing yourself uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, weird flex but okay yeah <laughs> so going back to kind of what you were talking about though i think going back to even the root of that is we're recognizing that there's something that is maybe not necessarily bad but okay but that there's something better somewhere else and this is what i was thinking about when you were talking about people who who immigrate right mm. they recognize that there's something better somewhere else and so that's telling us that there is this uh objective like better worse like there's something that is better for us out there right and i think a lot of the times we get so mixed up with this idea of like everything's just what you make it and like no sometimes things are not good right and i, I think a lot of times we get that mixed up in our morality too right and so sometimes we have to move from what is maybe okay or even bad to something that is better, right? So I, I think there's kind of a lesson there too. Mm-hmm. And then obviously going back to what you're saying before about our desire to uh, go out, we talk all the time on the show about the adventure, right? That's kind of our, our catch line is this life, this story that we're living is an adventure that we share with God, right? But we also need to remember that in an adventure, you're never sitting still for too long. Right? You never want to become pl- complacent where you're at because if you're complacent, you're not actually going forward. Uh, you're, in the end, if you stay there too long, you're actually going backwards. Right? And so it's the same thing for our spiritual life. We should always be moving forward. We shouldn't be afraid of, of change too. I think I've been talking about this in the last month or so, but there's a lot of things in my spiritual life in the last couple of years that have had to change. Right? In college, there's a lot of things that I just really loved and were really good for my spiritual life. And now that I'm not in college anymore, when I go back to those things, they're just not bearing the same fruit. And those things need to change. I need to move forward uh, and find those new things right now. So It's actually, when you think about it, it's like unnatural to not move. Mm. Like everything that lives or yeah. is natural moves. Where our body starts to shut Space, down if we stay time, still too long. Plants, like this couch doesn't move. But the molecules in it does. Yeah. Like, I don't know. So it's very natural to, to move. Cool. Uh, any other thoughts on transportation? You guys are really good at this. Thanks for the insights. Cool. All right. Um, the next big one I wanted to dive into, and if you have something else, guys, just let me know. If you have any stuff you want to throw in, computers. This is a huge one. Mm-hmm. So obviously in the last... I don't know, even 100 years and then even the last 10, 15, 20 years, stuff has grown so fast, right? Um, I mean, obviously, I've only been alive for 25 years, but even since like I was growing up, stuff has changed a ton, right? We don't have floppy disks anymore. Things have changed. We have Wi-Fi. It's good. Uh, and so just to be able to recognize like these different things that are happening. So computers, where, where do we think that fits into all this? Because I think those things are huge and influencing yeah Ty um hi I'm Ty sorry so uh (laughs) so I feel like uh computers and I guess like the internet in general being such a large part of our culture I feel like as evangelists it's necessary for us to engage that and like much like Maximilian Colby kind of engaged like the radio newspaper I feel like we need uh, to kind of engage the internet in order to be the most effective evangelist because that's where our culture is at right now. So I feel like that's where we need to be at. Mm. We need to meet the culture where it's at, not try to pull them back with it. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a big part of, of like what, what we try and do here too so that it fits in really good. Also, I want to say this since you're here. 
for everyone who's like regular listeners of the show, this is the tie that we talk about in like every episode. Oh yeah, this is the tie. Yeah, so I met him. Celebrity right here. Um, we have a, a comment from Facebook here. Uh, so it says, Lisa says, do we not find ourselves and strengthen our own faith and beliefs in the challenges, struggles, successes, and failures of seeking to learn more, whether it's space or trees? Oh my gosh. Back to the trees again. Yeah. Do we not find, yeah, I would agree with that. Well, this, you introduced me to that podcast, the place we find ourselves. Yeah. That's literally what that's about. Right. Right. So we listen to too many podcasts, obviously, but uh, there is one called The Place That We Find Ourselves, Mm -hmm. and it's kind of a psychological analysis through the lens of our spirituality. It's a Christian podcast uh, looking at how our failures, how our struggles, how the things that have hurt us in the past influence the way that uh, we live our spiritual lives as well. Uh, And I think that's exactly what Lisa's trying to get at, too. Mm -hmm. Entries. So any other thoughts on, on computers? Yes. It's not exactly computers, but it's pretty cool. That's fine. It's about TV. Oh, yeah. People who um, watch, instead of going to like mass on Sundays, they watch the tele- a televised version. I forget the guy's name, but he's really popular. Just, yeah, that guy. That's mm. I know a lot of people who watch that instead of going to mass, and I just kind of wanted y'all to talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So just to clarify, there are um, there is televised mass. Uh, so that is something that people do. So for example, my, my grandmother, if she can't, if she doesn't feel like healthy enough to go into, to the church, will watch a, a televised mass and then someone will bring communion to her. Um, as much as, uh, we do respect our, our Christian brothers and sisters, uh, Joel Osteen is not a, a mass. Uh, it, it is a, a Christian service, right? And so there is stuff that can be learned from our Christian brothers and sisters, um, uh, yeah, I don't know what you want to go into there, but uh, so I, I think there's something to say about like being able to still reach those people. So, for example, in the past, my grandma just wouldn't have been able to interact, right? And so now the fact that uh, we have this option where she can still watch and participate from her own home, uh, although it's not ideal, obviously. And, that's something I want to talk about later is kind of the sacraments through the lens of stuff like this. Um, so even though that's not like ideal in the past, she wouldn't have been able to do that at all. The kicker is she's still able to receive because we have people who are uh, very beautiful people who are willing to serve and take time to go bring communion to those people, right. To bring Jesus to them. And I think that's where the, the real key is. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, my mom goes into like um like assisted living type situations mm-hmm. and like gives communion but i know one lady who she visits who watches televised mass and like technically cuz i know we say like um it, you have to go to mass on sunday but if you are like bedridden sick you have a pass like you don't don't go to mass and get other people sick and so um and people who can't who are like assisted living or can't like go out that's their way of like i still want to receive mass because it's the highest form of prayer even though like they they don't have to yeah well you can get like a dispensation for, for that obviously yeah uh we're having some facebook yeah. issues right now yes question is 
adoration still like valid over like like FaceTime or like the phone? Mm. Per- like I don't want like I mean like is it still considered like adoration if you're not there in person? So we can go and break that down. So adoration is well, I mean, if you break it down to like the the very word itself, ad aura to the mouth of or mouth to mouth, right? So essentially adoration is reuniting yourself in this intimate relationship with with God, right? So we believe that's the real presence. Um, is it the exact same? Probably not because you're not like physically in the presence of the exposed Eucharist, but at the same time, um, God can also work with you, right? Um, because he's God. So is it the exact same? No, because, um, well, there's the example that people talk about all the time of like the sun, right? And I don't remember what saint talked about this, but how the sun radiates from you is the same way that from the monstrance, Jesus radiates to us, right? And that's why it's pictured or or shaped like a sun, right? Um, And so it's more like watching the sun on a TV, right? (laughs) do you still get to experience the sun? Well, kind of, um, but also a big part of adoration is how we adore, right? So can you adore from your, your own home? Absolutely. And you should be, right? You should be adoring with your, your very life. Um, and so in that regards, it, it can be the same. Um, but like I said, like God can work literally anywhere. So there, there is a the distinction. Qu- I would ask like, is it the same hanging out with your friend on Skype than it is in person? No. But is that still your friend? Like, that's still really them. So, like, you know, there's conferences you can go to where it's so big, one room actually has the monstrance, the other one, it's being televised, and then they switch. And no, you're not in the presence of, like, the host that is now Christ, but you are still looking at his face. You are still seeing seeing that. So it, it's the same, but it's not. All right, so computers, other kind of thoughts there. I think one of the big things, obviously, is that everything is online now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I, I saw in college, and kind of, we can discuss this a little bit, is there are, there are places that try to do online mass. I can tell you right now it's not valid. Uh, that is not an option uh, in, in the church because of that reason of uh, the sacrament, well, all sacraments are something that we're supposed to participate in, right? We are created body and soul. Uh, and so the sacraments have this, this form and matter, these words and these material things that are intended to draw us into what's happening, right? So if you look at each of the sacraments, they have some kind of natural order to them, right? So we have baptism. What does it remind us of? Bathing, right? Hopefully we recognize that uh and in the same way it's supposed to remind us that we are washing ourselves right same thing for eucharist we receive this food and it's supposed to remind us of the nourishment of our souls um and so beyond that it's also supposed to be something the reason why we say communion is because it's communal right we're supposed to be uniting ourselves with the community and so there's something to say about being present with those people i think it's something we've really lost too in not not perfectly, but I think we forget that we are worshiping with the people around us and that we're supposed to be uniting us ourselves with them, especially when we get to the parking lot, right? 
as soon as we receive Jesus. And then we're out in the parking lot and all of a sudden that person is our enemy, right? When in reality, they're supposed to be someone that we're in communion with. Uh, and the same thing, that's why we say, uh, that's why we have the sign of peace, right? Mm-hmm. Peace be with you. And the reason why we do the sign of peace is most likely when you're, you're going to mass, you're probably sitting next to your family or people that you're close with for the most part. And so those are also probably going to be the people who offend you the most, right? Who hurt you the most because the people who are closest to us often hurt us the most. And so this moment of the sign of peace is us saying, I forgive you. It's us saying, I want to be in communion with you. And we can't do that until we've exchanged peace. And so those words of saying, peace be with you, carry a lot of power. Um, And so it's more than just a quick handshake or a, for those of you who are, yeah, there you go. The, the peace slingshots, you know? Uh, So it's, it's more than just saying, Hey, this is a cool sign to do. It's actually something that brings into the community. So I I think going back to what we were talking about before, I think that's important to remember uh, when we have these online masses and stuff like that. (laughs) What? He said it's been mentioned how unreliable technology is. (laughs) Thank God the stream We've had our live stream on Facebook go down like five or ten times. Yeah. Thank you guys for bearing with us, though, the few of you who are still here. So, for sure, unreliable. Anything else on computers? How about the old guy? So, I'm Steve. Welcome. And one of the things I was going to bring up is something that you guys may not think about. Whenever I was confirmed, it was 1997. Okay. Okay. So the technology that you guys have now, and more specifically, the ability to catalog the data Mm -hmm. and have all the stories of these great people in a place that you can access at any time, Mm. right? Think about uh, through religious persecution and history, people try to burn these stories so that no one can get them. For sure. Right? So we're past that. All of it's cataloged. All of it's anywhere where anybody can access it or read it. Um, and the reason that's important is because whenever I was confirmed forever ago, before many of you were born, um, when you think about, when you go through confirmation, you pick a saint's name, mm-hmm. right? So if we don't have the catalog of data, what do you think all the saint's names were? All of them were apostles. Every mm-hmm. boy picked an apostle, and every girl picked Mary. That was it. Now you go to an Easter vigil or you go to and you hear all these amazing stories because you guys have the data mm-hmm. and you have access to that information so don't take that for granted yeah. because we didn't have those things and I think it's an amazing gift and it's one of the bright spots of technology for sure um, now there's a lot of data that gets stored we don't want right but the access if used properly is one of the biggest gifts that technology can give us yeah namely computers yeah no that's awesome i i think that's not even something i thought of but um yeah being able to catalog and being able to save this information uh, essentially permanently we'd have to yeah. destroy every computer and every satellite i was just thinking about like this. back in maybe it was middle school or high school when like we, we buried a time capsule and like now time capsules are essentially the cloud on, oh, yeah. on the computer like you don't need to like need to. bury anything unless it's like a shirt right something weird like a computer which probably in 50 years will like what is this all right this is super weird but when i was growing up we had the 175th anniversary of my hometown 
and they buried a time capsule and this is going to sound super weird they had a, a beard like contest for the whole town which was awesome i didn't have a beard yet to calm down um <laughs> but my dad did and it was awesome and they actually had this huge competition where he shaved it and it is in that time capsule yeah so 100 years from now people are going to find my dad's beard and it's going to be crazy i know that's gross yes <laughs> Oh, my name's Kirsten. So on the topic that he was talking about how there's so much knowledge out there, um, just talking about like the pros and cons of things, even though there is like good and bad information, there's also just an overwhelming fact that there is so much. Like sometimes if, if I'm like praying before I go to bed, I'm like, oh, I could look up like a prayer for uh, the souls in purgatory or whatever, and I could pray that. But I'm like, oh, but there's also like, YouTube and there's like all these like things I could be like watching or like I could be playing games. So it's kind of like can be a distraction sometimes. Yeah, for sure. And I think going off of that comment, I think that has a lot to do with kind of the social uh, media mentality too, which is another thing we haven't touched on yet is social media, but that's actually changed the psychology of humanity. And so especially for uh, you younger people, your generation has been identified and kind of shaped by technology, right? So uh, you're literally called iGen, right? Because of iPhones. Uh, and this is actually something we talked about this past weekend with our mm -hmm. core members, but um, some of the characteristics that are given to you guys as iGen are that you, you have so much information coming in, you've gotten really good at deciding what is worth your time, right? So uh, you guys scroll through social media really quick, right? And you have to find in the, an instant what is actually worth investing in. And sometimes you make the wrong decision, right? Sometimes you, you scroll through and you find a post and you're like, oh, that's not really as funny as I thought. And you keep going, right? Uh, and so sometimes we make the wrong decisions, but we, we make quick decisions on what is important to us. Or vice versa. I think we have so much decisions, we become indecisive. Or we stop I know making decisions. Father Mike talks about that, where it's like, you say, maybe I'll go to this thing, but we're wait because we know there's so many things going on, we'll wait for like, Hopefully something better will happen, mm -hmm. and we'll we'll just do like the the maybe thing on Facebook. Yeah, like I'm not sure. I don't know what I'm doing this weekend. Uh, I know what you're talking about. Like the it, there's so much choice. I think there was a study I read. It was talking about how like if you have more than a certain number of choices, you can't decide at all. You get overwhelmed by it, so your brain kind of starts to shut off in a sense. So now we have all this stuff streaming in. We can't compute it. We can't like tackle it all at times so we, we go into this state where we, we seem more dumbed down or we get more angry at something or we're quicker to anger and impatience yeah um, Alex Manitini here hey. <laughs> what's up Alex I was just going to say that uh, like one I feel like effect that of like with uh, I, feel that, like, I don't know what you guys were saying would that be like in with like if with a five year old, right? I would like go around and I could see them like on their parents' like phone or laptop, and I feel like it's more of an addiction, if anything, because like with a lot of people, I know that like if their phone goes off and they hear something, like they immediately just go quick to grab it, because mm -hmm. like I feel like it's wired in our brains that like as soon as we like a text message or a call or anything, we're like so quick to like see what it is because we're just so antsy with that, and I feel like that's kind of uh, took us away from a lot of stuff in our daily life, and it's just missed like the things that we like are living. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, that's an actually another characteristic of your guys' generation is that you are more connected 
but less connected than any a generation before. So there's a stat that says uh, y'all's generation spends more time at home but less time with your family. Uh, and I think that's kind of part of that too. Did you have some ad tie? Uh, yes. So I feel like kind of bouncing off of that, I feel like we almost have like a new kind of gluttony with our technology. Oh yeah, mm, for sure. so much potential for good uh, with it, like for evangelization, but I feel like because we're it's such a part of our society, but there's almost kind of a gluttony with it, we're kind of forgetting to live. Yeah. <laughs> Let me throw this out here too, okay? So I think the easily accessible nature of computers and social media especially have um it's given a voice to everyone which can be really really good right and that's been able to uh like help a lot of people but at the same time a lot of the times our voices go unchecked on on social media and on uh on just the internet in general right and so we do like less fact checking than ever before too i think uh, at least it seems like it um but we have this this group mentality Right. If you notice on social media, I think one of the most dangerous things now is what is true doesn't seem to be as important anymore as how things appear. Right. And I think that's gotten even worse with things like Snapchat and Instagram and stuff like that and filters. Um, and so truth is kind of distorted and we, we focus more on appearance or perception of truth. Um, and I think a lot of that goes down to this group mentality, this everyone having a voice and not kind of checking it. Um, and I think that that can be really big too, because we, we can have, uh, just, I mean, outrageous things being said. Mm-hmm. And this was a joke when, when we were growing up and I'm sure you guys said it all the time too, but, uh, the idea that whatever's on the, the internet is true, right? Well, obviously not, but nowadays it's kind of become to where, at least the perception of reality that's put out there just kind of makes it so. I don't know, do you guys agree? Or am I just, I see a lot of head nodding, so that validates me, thank you. <laughs> so along with like, um, like social media giving people like the platforms, like voice their opinions and like to have a voice, I think in the same time that it can do a lot of good, like with evangelization, like Ty was saying, I think it also gives, um, per se, like the devil a platform as well mm-hmm. to um, for sure push this notion of like, oh, like this is this is actually like a good thing. Like it gives us more freedom, blah 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 blah. When it comes to like politics, per se, I think that that's really where um, the devil can like. Uh, take off with that and, and run with it yeah and i think there's a, a lot of different places where where that can happen um we've we've touched on a few in the past but i just think there's so many different aspects of it um where was it i was ahead of something with that oh man i lost it i had a really good thought and yours was better so we'll go with yours no you're good i just don't i have a really bad memory so it's true it's too many years of boxing <laughs> you, you laugh, but I'm not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, make it a meme. That's good. Uh, okay. Anything else with with computers? Thoughts there? We this is going a little long, um, but I think we can go a little bit longer. If you guys need to leave, feel free to bounce, bounce. out. But um, 
Cool. So one more thing I think we wanted to kind of touch on is the idea of virtual reality, artificial intelligence, and robotics as technology. Oh, you guys are getting excited now. Good. So, uh, so one of the things I studied in, in college was um, computer science, right? So one of the things we talked about that I absolutely loved was Alan Turing. Have you guys heard of him before? A few people. Okay. So Alan Turing is kind of like the, the godfather or the grandfather of computers. And uh, he is the essentially the guy that came up with the concept of artificial intelligence, right? It, it was in the, the 1940s. Um, he was an Englishman who was charged with the task of breaking the, the Nazi codes to be able to understand what their messages were. And they were considered impossible, essentially, because they changed every day. So he had 24 hours to crack the code. So what he did was he created a machine that did it for him and learned the patterns. And that's kind of where we started with this. And he had this test, and it's what we use today to essentially evaluate whether something is artificially intelligent. And so his test is, if you have a machine and a person both behind a curtain, and, uh, well, this is kind of a modern rendition of it, uh, so a computer and a person, and both are communicating to you through, like, typing, would you be able to tell which one is the human and which one is the computer? If you can't, then, according to his test, the computer is artificially intelligent, right? So that's kind of his, his standings are. Uh, where you can't distinguish what is real and what is fake. And I think there's something to that about what is what is real and what is mechanical and not being able to distinguish humanity from machine. Yeah, Alex. I feel like the difference in like recognizing what like cell phones like we or not would be like that whenever we like text someone or write to someone, we keep like emotion behind it, I guess, because like from the word choice that we use and like the things that we say. So like if I'm talking to someone and they have like a bad day, they're gonna express that differently from like an AI talking about like what would be is the bad day. So I mean, but so he's talking about how the difference is emotion, but they are creating AI now that can empathize, that can pick up on. Uh, has anybody seen Black Mirror? Everyone's just like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> like some of the stuff there is a little further ahead than where we're at, but not far. And there's one that, uh, especially in the new season, where they have a robot who like communicates and and gets this girl to like go out and be on a, get in a talent show, which with her normal regular day life she would have never done that, and she gets her like confident and all these things. And but it's still a robot, and so I agree with you. But to one extent, th- there will be a point where there might be a an AI that has everything except a soul. At that point. I just said the answer, but like, how do we know <laughs> that they're not, they're not real? Has anyone seen the movie Her? Yeah. That, that too, where that's not even a, a robot. That was just a, um, like Siri and he fell in love with her. Mm. That's interesting. Okay. My name's Katie. Um, Katie. I think like on the opposite side of that, that sometimes it's difficult to have like me show my emotions through text mm-hmm. because you never know how somebody else is going to read whatever you're saying because they could take it in a complete different yeah. tone from how you're typing it. You yeah. Know what I mean? Thank goodness for emojis. Yeah, that's what it, I'm saying. Like, but you can only get so far with an emoji. Because, yeah. I mean, half the people think this is a high five, but the other half of the world thinks it's like praying. Praying hands, you know yeah. I mean? So there's always like the 
the chance of somebody taking what you're saying completely out of text or completely different from how you mean to say And a lot of it's influenced by our, our past, by our culture, right? So I think the half of us who think that it's, it's praying hands, right, are probably people who have experienced that in our life. And we've seen, like, that symbol uh, maybe in CC or, or just in our life. Uh, if someone's never seen someone pray with their hands like that, then that's not going to make sense. It's going to be a high five, right? And so our perception and our culture kind of shape that as well, I think. Do you want to talk yeah, about yeah. comments real quick? Lucas has been commenting. He went back to social media because I think it went down again when he was talking about reality of social media and how, like, everybody puts on the best version of themselves. Um, and because of that, the people that don't or that are struggling that see that think that everyone's doing so well and it just makes it harder for everybody else too. Mm-hmm. And then he was talking about um, when it comes to AI, what's going to become important moving forward is that w- it's what we think and we're the ones programming these AI, what, what to think and how they will think, and that's going to be very prominent in the future culture. And I don't know what you just said now. So it should be a net positive, fingers crossed, because a lot of culture is driven by instant gratification, thought processes, instead of taking time for introspection. Any other thoughts on artificial intelligence, robotics? Yeah, Avery. Uh, so I think, too, like with artificial intelligence, because um, each and every single one of us have like a unique set of DNA, and that goes along with like being made in the image of likeness of like, uh, God, yeah. and I think that with that, that artificial intelligence, like going along with the soul too, is like what they're missing, and I think that's why. Although it may be like a thing, I don't. I find it hard to believe that'll go any further than what it kind of has now because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't have that authenticity yeah. of that like everyday people have. Yeah. Wow, okay. You first? Nope, you okay. He's giving it to you. Uh, not to fall, like, too far down the rabbit hole, <laughs> AI, whatever, but we love it's rabbit almost kind of scary, because you know we were talking about how, like, the goal seems to be to make them more human-like and more human-like or whatever? Yeah. Imagine being, like, a robot and having this existential crisis, like, that you're, like, religious. You can't go to heaven because you don't have a soul, and you're like, well, then, like, what? That's like iRobot. Well, not even that. What's that video game that Davis likes? No, Never mind. It wasn't Davis. Steve. Yes, Detroit Human, right? And he doesn't know that he's a robot. Is that? Oh, uh, he is a robot. Like it's a, it, the culture. Like there's a bunch of robots, but they're not people. But then they slowly start to, like, or they are they already have this ability to become like have human thoughts and have thoughts that shouldn't be possible with their program. Right. Basically, the ability to become self-aware. Yes. Yeah, and then they realize what they're not, and like. It affects them mentally, which is a weird thing to think, but yeah, it bothers, yeah. So then, I guess with that, if robots can develop emotions and become totally self-aware and they want to know God, Hypothetically. you evangelize to the robot. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. I mean, you could still evangelize. But, Why? But it, there would be no point to it. They have no soul. Like, how do you... But <laughs> wouldn't the point be so that they evangelize? So more of a like utilitarian aspect. <laughs> yeah. So because they're still technology, right? Yeah. So we would be using them the same way we'd be using a computer, except it would be harder to convince. So we still have to convince a computer to do what we want it to do, except the way we convince it is by pressing a button, right? So in this, it's essentially just taking that and expanding it. And actually, you literally have to convince it to work on your side. 
so you can still evangelize, right? Evangelize comes from uh, the, the Greek word euangelion, which literally means to like spread the good news. They used to use it when they won a victory in battle, right? to share the good news. Right? You can share that with anyone. I could share that with uh, this table, you know? It might not make a difference, <laughs> right? Uh, and so it might not impact a robot in the same way that it impact a person, obviously, because they can't be saved in the same way. Uh, but they can still participate in that salvation, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's weird to think. It's about. super weird. <laughs> I, this is the questions that we love, though. This is fantastic. Yeah. Could a robot like give communion? <laughs> oh. Like, if you couldn't like leave uh, your house, could a robot like show up at your door and get communion? I played uh, the fifth. So technically speaking. Uh, you are so the the primary like uh, distributor of communion is supposed to be a priest well a bishop technically then a priest if they can't do it by themselves then a deacon and if they can't do it then uh, a lay person uh, the lay person is like the very very last resort right obviously because our parishes have gotten so big and people are receiving uh, like so many people are receiving um, because of that we've had to resort to more people distributing I don't think we would ever go to the level of no human interaction in distributing Christ because it kind of takes away from the point, right? And just like we were talking about before, there has to be that sense of community. It's communal. Like, that's the, the point of it. Um, and I don't think we'd ever stoop to that. So, theoretically, could it? Yeah. Yes. Will it? No. That, that would be my answer. I, I like... By the way, Mason. Um, Mason! I would like how I just said, like, last time, like, um, like, I kind of kind of want to reflect how, like, in the beginning, like, we were talking about how technology was making us more, com making our lives more convenient to, oh, it's affecting how we can live to now we mm -hmm. can kind of merge technology with, with, with reality, yeah. Which is something that, like, it evolved exponentially. And I, I just love that, how, like, the idea, how the idea of technology ended up just developing throughout both this podcast and just throughout all of history. Mm -hmm. And I think that speaks volumes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that even goes back to what we were talking about before about transportation and going forth, right, and not staying still. Like, this idea, this idea that whatever is newer is better, um, which I think is not necessarily a good idea, and the... C.S. Lewis and J.R. Tolkien talk about how that's like a really, really bad idea. Um, and for the most part, I would agree, but there's this idea of going forward, right? There's something about going forward, um, which it might not always be right, but it reminds us back to what we were saying before that staying still is not good, right? Uh, and so we should always be going somewhere. Uh, just sometimes uh, this, the idea of what is modern is better is not necessarily true because there's a lot of modern things that are not good mm -hmm. right um but at the same time we don't want to stay still in in complacent in where, where we are in our our faith or our lives marcus um so i wanted i i wanted to go back to this this fact of like of ai and the, and the human beings so like there's that that middle ground of like cyborgs right where humans get augmented by technology and the question mm. is is if you had a person like in um, Robocop who gets completely transformed into what is basically a robot, what is the implication? Just his brain in a robot yeah, suit. Home, robot. 
or if it's a robot because on social media yeah they 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 have photos now that look human but they're completely fake so if there's a robot who looked human acted human no one else knew it was a robot and they thought they were human what would that right we should have just started with yeah because that's that's the it goes back to philosophy and you know that therefore i think therefore i am and uh there were some philosophers that would even argue that like um the brain and the mind were separate and that like you had your brain here and then your mind was above out of your body um yeah that your mind and your will are tied to your soul yeah but if you if you strip everything and now it's robot pieces is does that stay true if they if the brain is in 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 is part of this new form it's a good question yeah i I don't think I'm qualified to answer that. I can, I, I can make uh, assumptions, and I think there's some. Yeah, cyborg. We have. Uh, I I think there's something to rem- to to remember that we are body soul composites, and when we are ripped apart from that, I heard a definition, and I I don't know if this is true or not. Um, it came from a priest a couple weeks ago who said that death is when we separate the soul from the body. Right. And so if that is happening, well, I guess that's not necessarily even happening within this because you could still have the brain, which is part of the body. But then the next question is, how much body do you have to have for it to still be you? Right. Because if I lose my arm today, am I still Clint? Yeah. So how much body do you have to have for it to still be you? That's kind of the next question. And uh, I, I don't know the answer. Right. It's, it's like the idea of the ship. You have a ship and then as it parts were down, you replace it. So after many years and all the parts replaced, is it still the same shit? Yeah, yeah. But that happens with our own bodies, exactly. with that changing of cells. Right. Like every seven years, we're a completely new person. And so then that begs the question: Is what does it mean to be us? Right. And so then we dive into like some philosophy, philosophy that like we just can't handle in this podcast because we're already uh, like twenty minutes over our normal <laughs> length. Um, no. But uh, I have to edit this. Yeah, yeah. he's editing. <laughs> I always have. Uh, yeah, so oh, we got some comments from Lucas here, too. Uh, Lucas and Chelsea joined us. Hey, Chelsea. Um, so Lucas said, uh, this is going back to kind of the robots, um, that what if they convert someone, uh, they can still convey Which truth, is- and then it's the same idea. Yeah, this is what I was talking about before. It's the same idea of like using a book or receiving truth through another form like media or scripture. Uh, thank you guys for joining us. Sorry it went so long, uh, but thank you, thank you. Um, so does anyone else have anything else on, uh, kind of the robots and AI and stuff like that before we dive into one last question? Okay. I think this is the last thing that I have, but we brought this up at the beginning with technology. How far is too far, right? Because we talked about how it's good. Like we should be using this stuff and how there's a lot of things that are in it that we desire and that they bring us closer to Christ. But also, we, we know very well, like, there's a lot of bad things that can be, uh, that we can use these tools for, right? Um, uh, we've, we've talked about it before. I don't know if we've talked about it on here. But right now, the average age of exposure to pornography is only eight years old, right? And that's because of this widespread nature. So, yes, we can communicate more, but also we can fall into things more, too. This is like, um, it's not necessarily that exact kind of concept, what you just said, but it's really similar. So with like, the, what, how far is too far with technology? I think too with AI and robots and stuff, we have like, um, 
people are, jobs are, what's the word? Jobs are becoming like, you know, certain things like humans don't need to do it. Mm -hmm. Automated. Yes, automated. So it's like because of that, some people are like losing jobs and it's kind of creating havoc in their lives because they lost their income. Mm. You know, just a bunch of issues. So. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And before we, we jump too far away, I think that also brings in the question of subcreation. Right. So we have types of technology who are which are specifically intended to help us create things. Right. Um, and there's this th thing in theology. Uh, Tolkien talked about it a lot. And that's why I'm kind of obsessed with it of subcreation. Right. How we can create nothing on our own, uh, but only through sharing in this creative ability of God. Do are we able to create? And I mean, we even look at like how life is created. Right. We can't do that on our own. Uh, it, it is like a sharing in the creative power of God that we're able to create life, right? And, and that's why we have like this community of persons uh, when life is created. Ty. Hi. Okay. So um, <laughs> I feel like it's kind of, that's actually kind of like what I was going to say. I was going to say, I feel like technology goes too far whenever, like I know it's made through God, but when our sub-creation overtakes and replaces the creation of God, mm -hmm. that's an overrated. I think that's exactly it. It's yeah. sub. It goes into ethics. Yeah. Because we when we're talking about this, it was cloning or just creating life without life, right? Like, and then we even talked about uh, taking life, mm -hmm. uh, and the the tools and technology we we use to do that. Um, so, I think when it affects creation or even destroys creation, um, yeah. Well, I think this even goes back to like Genesis, right? So uh, whether or not Genesis is historically uh, like true as portrayed, uh, there's a lot of themes in there that are extremely important for understanding who we are as humans, right? We look at theology of the body and how we look at that source of who we are. And we are created uh, to, to love and to serve God, right? But we look at the fall and the true like sin was not that they ate an apple, right? We eat apples all the time. Okay. We eat fruit all the time. That's not sinful. The issue is that they thought that they could kind of like make a decision for, for God and they knew better than God. Right. And I think that's kind of what we're getting at here too, where we think that we know better or that we can do it without God. And so we try to replace him. Right. And I think that's where kind of this issue comes in. Um, but so I think if we look at, our, our purpose, what we're created for, our, our tele teleological uh, like understanding of ourselves, when we do that, we understand what technology is helping us mm -hmm. like uh, grow ourselves or share ourselves, and what technology is helping us be something that we are not, which is bad. So we have this good stuff that helps us expand what is given to us and who we are, and that's something that changes who we are and how we're supposed to interact. I think that's kind of the distinction, in my opinion. We're getting into philosophy now, and it's too late for me to be thinking. What do you guys think? Any other thoughts? Alex. Yeah. So, and we've been reading like in English, like the whole Frankenstein book, and we uh, one of the big like themes of it is how uh, you see with like Frankenstein, he like puts together this body, and he like manifests it, and he gives it life. 
which is like something that only like God can do, right? And so we start to see throughout, like the repercussions of that and how like you can't just have this like you can't just like strip away like something that's like God's power and like claim as your own mm-hmm. like the use of technology. Like the, it's not gonna be like a perfect like we like it's not gonna be as perfect as we are, you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. we don't be God life. Right, we, we never create as good as God creates, right? Yeah. I think it's called a paradox because it's like, with, with church, it's like we strive to be godlike mm-hmm. in terms of like, you know, how we treat others and being loving. But then when we try to be too godlike, it's like, no, that's, that's not good. You that, can't start. Yeah, that's exact. Going back to Genesis, that's, that was exactly the idea of like, you know, uh, Satan says, you know, eat of that tree and you'll become like God. And before that, God was like, you are, we are all, all the same. They, they were of God because he created them, but also because they weren't, where they were wasn't necessarily earth yet. It was going to be heaven on earth. If they were, if they went to the next phase, right? Um, and, and because they were trying to aspire and like he said, know better to be like God and do it in their own way, in the wrong way, that's where the fall, that's where the fall came in. Um, so yes, you hit it on the head. Avery, yeah. So, like, we only can use, like, a certain, like, percentage of, like, our brain. And I was just, like, thinking about this movie that's, like, called Lucy. And basically, mm. they figure out a way to unlock 100% of her brain. We gotta do a show on that. And I was just, like, thinking about the fact that, like, okay, like, with, oh, with the creating of, like, life and, like, Frankenstein and, like, that kind of thing, like, that made me think, okay, we were made this way for a reason and we weren't made to like understand anything and if we try to make something or make life that could use a hundred percent of its brain per se then that's like kind of defeating a purpose of um it's skipping yeah it's skipping steps Yeah. yeah Well, I, I also think, because, I mean, eventually when we're in heaven, like, our brain will be used to, to its fullest capacity, right, when we share in the beatific vision. But I think what it comes down to is uh, we were made to be like God. We were made to be in the image and likeness of God, but we were not made to replace God. And so I think that's where the distinction comes, where being like him starts to become trying to replace him. And, and that's where the issue is. And that's where the issue with all sins essentially come down to. It's this pride of, and that's why mm-hmm. pride is the the primary sin, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's this idea that I can replace rather than I can be like. Yeah. Yeah. So with that, uh, I think we should probably start wrapping things up here. So uh, do we have a challenge for everyone? I can start. Go ahead. Great. Oh, Marcus has one. Give us a challenge, Marcus. Uh, you should... Go try to find the uh, Vatican website and check it out. <laughs> it's got a resource library with the whole like, like with, with with the can- code of canon law and it has like everything that, that Pope Francis said and all those popes said. And it's got the the um, the, the word. Um, Christus Vivi. It's got that, and but no, it's got the uh, the whole teachings, the uh, catechism. All right. Well, it's got a lot of stuff, but okay. So Marcus has been hyping up the Vatican website all day. Uh, so I need Mark- one better. Ladato, the app. Ladate. Ladate. Ladate has everything too. All the teachings, catechism. Yeah. Go find Catholic apps. 
Good plug. Thanks. Uh, yeah, so uh, check that out. That'll be one of our challenges. Another one I want to throw in here is just be mindful of the technology that you're using. Mm. We're completely surrounded and overwhelmed by technology every single day. It's everywhere from the very moment you wake up and your alarm is your phone. Everything is technology. So just be mindful of that and how God is, is using that and working in that. I know it's hard, uh, but maybe at the end of your day, just kind of do a reflection and, and see where did God kind of work uh, in those things today. And maybe that's something we can do tonight even, uh, just before we go to bed, think about where did God work in, the, in that technology. Yeah. Do you have one? No. Okay. So those are your challenges this week. You have two of them. You can choose one. I recommend doing both. They're pretty simple. Uh, but thank you guys so much. We want to do a few shout-outs here. So first off, shout-out to our lo- live audience. Woo! Yeah. Thank you, guys. Uh, thank you for, for being a part of this. Thank you for being our, our, our audience uh, and taking time out of your day. I know this is going about double as long as we expected, so thanks for your patience. Uh, and then thank you to everyone who's been participating online, too, on Facebook, Twitter, uh, and YouTube. I know you have a running list there. Yeah, uh, it's not everybody. I don't know who is on YouTube, and I don't know everyone on Facebook, but I want to start writing it down as we were skipping it. So Parker Knight, I uh, haven't seen you in forever, man. Um, Rachel Meinsinger checked in. We have Laura, uh, Lucas, Louis, Luis, yeah. thank you, sorry. David, Dylan, Lexi, Miranda, Crystal, Jimmy, Chelsea, Doris, and Kristen. Awesome. And I, I know there's some more that we missed, too. So shout out to all you guys. Thank you so much for for participating. I, I saw a bunch of y'all were sharing and, and liking this. That helps us so much. In addition to that, uh, if you guys like our show and want to see more, uh, we do have a website. You can check us out there. It's thechristinculture.com. And from there, you can get all of our social media. You can also find our Patreon. Uh, so if you like our show and want to support us, please consider being a patron. So in uh, for as little as a couple dollars a month, you can get extra content. You can get some of our uh, merch and stuff like stickers. Yeah, I know some of y'all want the stickers. Yeah. Uh, so if you guys want some of that, please consider being a patron. Uh, also, if you want to just follow us on social media, Twitter is at on the adventure Two. Facebook is just the Christ and culture and same thing for YouTube, the Christ and culture. So please consider checking us out. Share us with your friends. Share this video with your friends. And Gordon has something to add. I just wanted to say shout out to Mary because I just saw you gave us a whole bunch of love just now. Oh, nice. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. And with that, we're going to go ahead and wrap things up. So thank you guys so much for joining us in the adventure this week, and we will see you next week.